It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook, where we post all of our shows. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked On Packers, the show for fans that know what happened They want to know why and how, and anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775, and today is going to be an all-voicemails show. Uh, Over the last few weeks, we have gotten a lot of action on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, a ton of texts, a ton of voicemails. I do want to remind you, in both text form and voicemails, Let's try and keep these kind of short. Um, a minute and a half, two minutes is too long. I'm not going to play them on air. I'll, I listen to them. So if all you care about is me hearing your question, great. And, and maybe it'll inspire me to talk about it on air. Uh, maybe it'll inspire an, an idea for a segment. But uh, I'm not going to play it. So <laughs> that's just the reality of I only have 25 to 28 minutes every day to to get all of this stuff in here. So we only have time uh, for voicemails that are, you know, like a minute. Every once in a while, I'll play something a little bit longer, but just just so everyone knows, full transparency, uh, it uh, I'm giving up 5% of the show every time I, I put a voicemail on, and so that, that they have to be worth it. So make it make your time count, I guess is what I'm saying here. We're going to start with the injury report and then get to your questions a little bit later. And let's start with the biggest concern for the Packers heading into this game with the Falcons, and that's the fact that neither Brian Bulaga nor Byron Bell practiced all week. Uh, Bulaga listed as doubtful, Bell listed as questionable. Now, when it comes to Byron Bell, he has been, if not the worst preferred starting offensive lineman, one of the five worst in the league this year. And I saw enough from Justin McCray last year to suggest he is a capable backup offensive lineman. He has not played to expectations. And I know that that is difficult to say for a player who, you know, undrafted free agent, a developmental type player, but he did play well at times last year. And so for him to come in this year and look as bad and lost as he's looked. Now, 
in the Bears game, he's going up against Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack and Eddie Goldman and a really good front, and then he gets hurt. And then he's out for a couple weeks, and then even when he gets back, Byron Bell is getting the opportunity, for reasons that really are unclear to me, uh, to play ahead of him. My hope would be that Justin McCray comes in and not only plays well, but takes, usurps this job back from Byron Bell because he just can't be this team's starting guard. He's not good enough. And not that McCray is is going to set the world on fire, but he is a better option. Now, in this game, Atlanta has Grady Jarrett. They have Tack McKinley. They have Vic Beasley. They have Bruce Irvin. They have guys that can be disruptive in pass rush situations. So having, a, having a, an injured offensive line, not ideal. And Jason Spriggs is going to start at right tackle. He has been better than I think his critics will have you believe. He's played limited snaps this year, but has been mostly fine. And he's he's still a young player. He is still someone with some potential. And I, I'm not ready to give up on him yet. I know a lot of Packer fans, for whatever reason, are trying to drive Brian Bulaga out of town. He's still only 30 years old and still under contract. So why why get rid of a guy who, when he's played, has been very good still for the Green Bay Packers? I don't understand that. I think these are these are good opportunities for Jason Spriggs to get some more reps because I think he is the kind of guy that that they can say, look, we think he can still get better. He still has athletic tools. He can get stronger. He can grow into his body. And sure, maybe he'll always have some issues with defensive ends who can counter. A lot of offensive tackles have those issues, and maybe he's not a starting offensive tackle, but maybe he can be a quality swing tackle. That is the number one issue for this team right now. The good news for them is Jimmy Graham and Randall Cobb both practiced all week. They are uh, full go, as close as they can be at this point in the season. Obviously, Jimmy Graham's still dealing with that broken thumb, but is going to give it a go. I'd like to see Robert Tanyan a little bit more, and and they did do a good job last week of rotating in some of the other guys because Graham isn't 100%. So as long as they scrap some of those plays where Jimmy Graham is supposed to lead block or seal block or some of these other weird things, uh, you know, that's I think that's a good thing for to have Jimmy Graham on the field because he can still give them something in the passing game. And then... Another piece of good news, Bashad Breland was listed as a full participant on Friday. Remember, no Friday practice, so uh, they didn't actually go, but he was limited all week. It sounds like he is making progress. He's questionable for Sunday, but I would expect he can go, which means your main matchup is probably going to be Breland on Julio, Jair on Calvin Ridley, and then you, you mix and match from there. And it was, you may remember, the uh, Atlanta game last year where Kevin King sort of announced his his you know ascension in Green Bay and did some nice things against Julio. Maybe this is the week for Josh Jackson. I'm not going to hold my breath on it. But getting Breland back is important in getting some stops here. Kentrell Bryce, also a full participant on Friday, his projection anyway. Um, I, I'll be interested to see how they, how they line up. Tremont Williams at free safety. Kentrell Bryce, strong safety, and Josh Jones as that overhang linebacker hybrid safety type. I think that's the most likely scenario for this game. The Falcons do have weapons at running back and tight end that can do things over the middle. So to have a a versatile 
um, athletic piece like like Jones in the box would be would be really good, I think, to have in this game. And they're not going to run the ball down your throats. They're not going to play power football. So going a little lighter, playing that three safety nickel that they've been playing a lot this season, I think is the way to go about trying to attack this Falcons team. And and for Atlanta, uh, the only the only real issues of note: uh, Julio Jones didn't practice all week. He's dealing with a foot injury, but he's going to play. And everyone else that's been playing the last few weeks is going to play. They don't have Keanu Neal. They don't have Deion Jones. So Green Bay, against the worst passing defense in the league, they're going to have some opportunities. They're going to have some passing lanes. If they can give Aaron Rodgers some time, uh, there are plays to be made in the middle of the field. There are plays to be made down the field. And this is going to be a great opportunity for them with a new offensive coordinator. And this is going to be a great opportunity for them with a new play caller, a little bit of extra juice and energy this week to to get back on track and get this offense moving back in the right direction. Now, this is a game that opened Packers uh, minus six. It's down closer to minus five now. I think part of that is is injuries. I think part of that is settling in with the fact that there's a lot of unsettled questions with the Packers and, and what this team is going to look like. Joe Philbin <laughs> never having called plays. But if you think you have an idea of who's going to win, you should put your money where your mouth is at my bookie. The great thing about my bookie is you can trust them. They've been in business for years. They've got great online reviews and their mobile site is easy to use. You want to find a prop bet for something? I bet my bookie has it. And that is the fun part of going to a site like my bookie where they have live in-game betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and, and all sorts of of great player perks. Right now, MyBookie is so busy with new users that they want to give you money to get a better customer service experience. So that means if you use the promo code LOCKEDON25 after 7 p.m. Eastern, in addition to that dollar-for-dollar deposit bonus up to $1,000, that's right, MyBookie is going to give you money for depositing money to gamble with. If you do that after 7 p.m., they'll give you an additional $25 on any deposit over $100. That means you put $100 down, you will wind up with 225. That's the promo code locked on 25 after 7 p.m. to get that dollar for dollar deposit bonus plus the extra $25 because at my book you play, you win, you get paid. David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21 grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's killer bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread for a reason. It tastes so stinking good. Dave's Killer Bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-GMO ingredients and is power packed with whole grains, fiber, and protein. Visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for Dave's Killer Bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store. All right, now these these voicemails are, I think, a really a really good mix of football questions, of 30,000-foot view questions, of mechanics of coaching searches. And so I just, I think it's, it, it is, we're going to jump around a little bit in terms of topics, 
But I think they're all questions potentially that Green Bay fans are wondering right now. And so let's start with everyone's favorite topic, Jake Kumaro. Hey, Peter, what's happening? This is Brady from Whitewater. Just wondering if you think Jake Kumaro can make a difference in this offense coming up for the next four weeks. Thanks. Bye. See how easy that is? 10 seconds. In and out. Boom. Love it. Um, last week, he ran a beautiful chair route, squirrel route, depending on what you want to call it. It's basically an out and up with a comeback. So it's an out and up and stop, but you come back to the ball and got a catch on it. And I, I do think it's worth it for the Packers to get him some reps and see if he can be a player in this offense. Uh, this is this is September call-ups time. I mean, I think Green Bay wants to win these games. There's no question about it. And they want to get Aaron Rodgers going a little bit. They want to get him with some better chemistry with some of these younger guys, but that includes Jake Kumara. And he showed a lot of promise in the preseason. This was a guy who was getting preseason and training camp reps with the first team because we didn't know, you know, how much Geronimo Allison was going to be able to be relied upon. And we didn't know if Randall Cobb was going to be able to play 16 games. We know that answer now. And Randall Cobb is probably not a long-term part of this team's future. So, Allison is going to is uh, an early rights free agent, so Green Bay can tender him and, and not pay him. They can make basically make him prove it to see what they have moving forward. But Jake Kumaro, I mean, he's not any more or less of a factor you would think for the next four games than than what Marquez Valdez Scantling or or EQ could be, given how infrequently Rodgers has put his trust in those guys. I think MVS may have a slight leg up. But it is slight, and I think with another week of practice, another game, you could see Jay Kumaro eating into some of those snaps for both of these guys. And I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily the right thing to do. I would love to see EQ get more uh, run in the slot as the big Y, the you know the the move tight end sort of piece, which was a big part of the Mike McCarthy offense. Remember, this Joe Philbin offense is still the Mike McCarthy offense. It's just going to be called by Joe Philbin. And speaking of that offense, let's do an Aaron Rodgers question. Hey, Peter, what's happening? This is Evan from Lexington, Kentucky. Um, you touched on some uh, points of Aaron Rodgers' play calling and hurry-up offense and how it worked and when you get back to it. Just wanted your thoughts on maybe uh, letting Aaron Rodgers for the next four games just play call. Uh, we paid him the money, ain't got nothing to lose. See what happens. Thanks for the show. Bye-bye. So one of the things that I mentioned earlier this week and when we, we had this discussion yesterday about Joe Philbin and what this offense was going to look like uh, and what I thought the changes would be, I do expect more hurry up. And Ben Fennell had a, had a nugget in his film breakdown this week for The Athletic where he said Green Bay has gone empty on about 5% of plays this year. Well, that's down from over 10% in 2016 and 13 plus percent in 2017, and that's with Brett Hundley. Someone will have to explain to me why the Packers did not go more empty and go more tempo. I expect them to do a lot more no huddle, a lot more sugar huddle, where Rodgers is calling the plays. And Joe Philbin, situationally, is still going to be the guy on third and eight. There are a lot of there are going to be a lot of cases where you want to huddle up and call a play in the red zone. You might want to huddle up and call a play. But there's going to be a lot more no huddle in this offense. That's just I, that would be my guess. I think they're going to run some more empty formations where Rodgers has to get the ball out quick. Some of those more core 
West Coast concepts. And it is kind of ironic because there's been a lot of complaints about Mike McCarthy not pushing this offense forward. A lot of the concepts that he schemed up this year were, were good, but he did it at the expense of some of the core concepts that have really been successful in this offense in the past. It was okay to call slant flat because those plays had been working. And that's what he called on that third and two that Rodgers missed the throw in Seattle. So there are, you know, there are there are some calls here that are that were left on the table because of poor execution. But I think we're going to see more quick game. I think we're going to see more slants, more uh, swing passes, more screens, more stuff designed to get the ball out of Rodgers' hands quickly, where he can't hold it and try and create. Now he's still going to do that because there are going to be plenty of situations where that's called for. But I do think that. It, Philbin is going to give Rodgers the leeway that he wants to call plays by playing no huddle. They're not going to say, okay, Rodgers, you're just going to go. Like, that's not going to be a thing. But I do think they're going to go a little bit more no huddle. Give Joe Philbin. Joe Philbin talked about this. Getting in Rodgers' ear about what are you seeing, what do you like, remember this and this and this, in the same way that, say, Sean McVay did with Jared Goff that first year in L.A. where where McVay was very literally calling audibles for Jared Goff and giving him things to think about. And that worked for Goff. I don't know that it will work for Rodgers, but I think if, you, if you're if you going to work no huddle, Philbin can be offering input, not play calls necessarily, but hey, the safety did this on that play or you know, just other stuff that, that could be useful information for Rodgers. And I, I think that's something that could help this offense. Let's move into a little bit of a different kind of question on Aaron Rodgers. Hey, Peter. What's happening? Brandon from Alabama. At what point, with the inconsistencies in Rodgers' play, do Mike Murphy and Gutekunst collude to bring in a successor or heir to the throne, so to speak? And do you believe that in the event that they pull the trigger on what would be his successor that it might help to motivate and inspire him to, you know, be a little bit more focused and and playing consistent championship football again. I just thought, uh, thought I'd like to hear your opinion on that. Thanks, Peter. Go pack, go. No, I know he is not the only Packer fan that feels this way. And what I do appreciate is, importantly, he didn't say the Packers need to move on from Aaron Rodgers and find the next guy. He said, would finding the heir apparent light a fire under Aaron Rodgers' butt, basically? And I don't, I don't know. I think, I think he already motivates himself. I don't think the problem for the Packers is that Rodgers is not motivated to be great. There are, there are few guys in the game more competitive, few guys who care more about winning, or as he says, not losing. He's always said, I hate losing more than I love to win. And he, he wants to win. He wants to succeed. He wants to be great. He's smart enough to understand that if he doesn't play well, someone is going to be there to take his spot. And he probably knows it's, it's probably not Deshaun Kaiser, but Deshaun Kaiser is a really talented quarterback. And they brought him in to to be groomed at the very least as a backup, if not as a potential heir apparent for Aaron Rodgers. So whether you think that that 
is wise at this point with Kaiser is a separate question, but the problem is this draft is not full of quality quarterbacks. It's certainly not going to be a case where Green Bay is going to use a first-round pick or a second-round pick or even a third-round pick on a quarterback. They just they have too many top-level needs. They still need to bolster this, this secondary. They still need a pass rusher. They still need offensive line depth. They still need a starting guard. They still need athleticism in the front seven and, and in the back end. They still could use... Uh, a long-term solution as a move tight end. There's just too much that I think they need to worry about. And they're not, what do I mean? They're going to trade for someone? No. So this is this is the Packers quarterback room for the near future. They like Boyle. They really like Kaiser. Kaiser did show, I think, a lot in the preseason. Some some progress. And, and frankly, I, I know that he gets dragged for what happened in the Bears game. Khalil Mack made an awesome play on the screen. And we see veteran quarterbacks get bit on stuff like that all the time. Defensive ends have become really well-trained in stuff like that. They will hide behind offensive linemen. They re- they recognize the screen, and so they'll look like they're being blocked. And then when they see the ball released, they go find it. And they, I mean, I've seen it happen a handful of times to, to veteran quarterbacks this year. Give Khalil Mack credit on that play. The fumble was a bad play. But he also made a couple other really nice plays where he stepped up and made a gorgeous throw to Randall Cobb on a third down. He converted two really nice plays in a pressure-packed situation and, and according to reports, gave a a pretty uh, emboldened halftime speech that basically said, guys, stick with me and I'll take us there. That's what you want to see. And we, we talked about this at the time. That is awesome leadership. And so having another season behind Aaron Rodgers, I'm not saying Deshaun Kaiser is going to be anything as a player, but he's still 22. He is very talented. It was a second-round pick. A lot of people thought he had first-round talent. And I, I don't think Green Bay should just say, well, let's bring another guy in to try and light a fire under Aaron Rodgers. I, I just That doesn't seem necessary to me. Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Lockdown Fantasy Football here on the Lockdown Network, and I have an offer for you. Start playing fantasy this football season, and FanDuel will give you a 20% bonus on your first deposit. That's up to $500. That's a big-time bonus, and all you need to do to claim it is to make your first deposit on FanDuel. I love the fantasy contests they have on FanDuel. So many different ways to play, cash games, tournaments. I like to challenge myself there. Take my fantasy football knowledge to the next level. Many different types of game formats you can pick from. Main slate, single game, best ball, snake draft. And you can even play private contests with your friends. There's an awesome slate of games on hand every single week. You can get the players that you don't have in your redraft leagues into your lineup. Try to get that big time return on investment. Every week is a new chance for you to win big at FanDuel. And that's what I love about it. Experience season-long wins without the season-long wait. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your bonus and start playing today. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Agent location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. This episode is brought to you by Shell. 
College football is best enjoyed at home. You know, the home that has no rooms because it's a stadium of 70,000 screaming fans. But wherever you are, ESPN and Shell can take your fandom further with savings up to 15 cents per gallon for Fuel Rewards members at Shell. Welcome home, football fans. Terms and conditions apply. See FuelRewards.com slash FuelYourFandom for details. Shell is an official sponsor of ESPN College Football. ESPN, the ESPN logo, and ESPN College Football are registered trademarks of ESPN Incorporated. And then this last question is a is a really interesting one, and, and I think one worth considering for the Packers and and for fans that that I don't think is is something that we hear um, a lot because of just the the nature of you know coaching hiring is, is such a a behind closed doors thing we don't get to hear a lot about it, and so this is one of those those parts of the rule and the CBA that that doesn't get talked about with, with, to the degree that I think it should. Hey, Peter, what's happening? It's Charles from New Haven. I love the show, my man. Keep it up. Um, anyway, my question pertains to the Packers' obligation to follow the Rooney Rule in their hiring practices. Um, you know, without giving a, a treatise on the normative question of whether the Rooney Rule should exist, um, considering it does exist and it is operative, I'm hoping that you can shed some light on black coaches or other coaches of color who, uh, who might have a sleeper shot at the head coaching job or at least could be considered for the interview. You know, despite all the McDaniels and Lincoln Riley and Dave Taub talk. That's it, my man. Go Packers. So in terms of the Green Bay uh, head coaching search, I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Witt gets an interview. And obviously Joe Witt, a coach of color. And that is something that the NFL cares about. It's not something that has translated consistently, and this has been written about, but it's not something that has consistently translated to to coaches of color getting opportunities. And I do think that Eric Bianimi, who is the offensive coordinator in Kansas City, will get an opportunity to be a head coach somewhere next year. He obviously is is not the architect of this Kansas City Chiefs offense, but is a coach who has been there, who has coached some really good players in Kansas City, from Jamal Charles to Kareem Hunt, and and we don't need to get into the ugly, ugly, ugly situation with what happened with Kareem Hunt. This is not a Chiefs show. This is not a, a broad NFL show. This is a Packers show. So we haven't discussed it on here um, but but I'm sure the guys at Locked On Chiefs has, and I'm sure Locked On NFL with Matt Williamson, those guys have discussed it. I would highly recommend you go watch uh, the, the piece that Katie Nolan did for ESPN on, on YouTube for her show for that discussion. That's not the point. It's not his fault that, that Kareem Hunt, um, unfortunately now we're finding out, has a history of of alleged violence and and that's a that's unfortunate but that is not a reflection of him as a coach or the the quality of his candidacy um right now i would say he's the only really serious candidate of color that's out there um it, it is and i do think he would be someone that green bay interviews just because of the background with Kansas City, the, the bones of that offense are similar to what Green Bay has with their offense, and so it would make sense for them. Now, another name that that I have discussed discussed a lot uh, in relation to the Packers is David Shaw at Stanford. Now, I don't think I don't think David Shaw is leaving Palo Alto, but he is um, a, a coach that is very well respected, is very smart, very cerebral. Um, obviously coached Andrew Luck, and I think culturally would be a great fit 
for the Packers in terms of you know the blue collar franchise and and all of that. Um, I, I I don't know how different you know if you want someone to come in and, and change your offense and fix your offense. I don't know that someone who who still employs extra offensive linemen and and two and three tight ends is is going to do with Aaron Rodgers. But I, I think he's a hell of a coach, and I I think some team should consider him. I think he would be a great fit uh, in Baltimore, for example, where they love to play with multiple tight ends. They have Lamar Jackson. Obviously, they want to use him as a runner. I think David Shaw uh, would be a great candidate there as well. But I think to the original heart of the question, uh, we do see a disproportionate number of coaches rise up the ranks, coaches of color, in particular relative to what we see with players because this is a sport predominantly played in at the highest levels anyway by African-American players. And the best players are not always the best coaches, but just based on sheer numbers, you would have expected more African-American coaches just full stop, but then also to have them be more successful. And there are, there are tons of reasons for this. Um, like any industry, it's about connections and networking and all that stuff. And so when most coaches forever have been white, the coaching networks as a result are often predominantly white. And so that makes it harder from a networking standpoint. Coaches often just hire guys they've worked with. I mean, that's the reason that Pat Fitzgerald's name is out there for some reason for the, the Packers head coaching uh, vacancy because Mark Murphy hired him at Northwestern. That We don't need to get into you know, the minutia of why there aren't more African-American coaches, but there are a handful of of really good candidates out there. I think it would be great to see more, and I think, um, you know, the the, the NFL and college needs to find a way to encourage uh, that because I think there is some self-selection where it's just like, well, I I don't see a lot of people like me doing this thing. Maybe it's just not a thing I should do. I think at the college level, they do a better job with it, then in the NFL, and part of that is the NFL is is more insular, it's smaller, and it's more risk averse. So you look at, okay, this is the way we've always done it. These are the guys who have always done it. And the coaching carousel in the NFL, it just turns and turns and turns. You get fired one place, you get a job somewhere else. I mean, how many times does Jack Del Rio have to fail before he just stops being a candidate for coaching? So to the question about, about the Packers and their head coaching search, uh, I do think there are two potentially quality candidates, uh, African-American candidates, who, who could be a part of the coaching search for this team. But I, I wouldn't say either are front runners for the job. And, and frankly, um, you know, irrespective of their race, I, I don't think either are ideal fits for what Green Bay is looking for. Although I do think Eric Bianimi, whether it's at his alma mater, Colorado, um, or somewhere in the NFL could be a very good fit for another team, maybe a younger team looking to build something a little bit more that's going to give their coach a little bit more runway, um, you know, to really come into his own as a coach. And yeah, it would be great to say just hire the best guy, um, and and maybe someday we'll we'll get to a place where that's just a thing we can say. But we're not there yet, and then that, that's the reason for something like the Rooney Rule is to is to give opportunities, even just an opportunity to interview can lead to the the normalizing of 
these coaches as candidates can expand their network of front offices that they have relationships with. And hopefully, you know, we're getting to a place where it's just commonplace and it's not something we have to discuss. That's that's not where we are right now in the NFL. And the NFL has plenty of problems. Um, and unfortunately, that's the that's the the truth right now. This is just one of them. So it's not the sexy conversation about who's going to be the next Packers head coach, whether it's Lincoln Riley, Josh McDaniels or one of these hot offensive names. But I do think it is one worth having. And so. Um, I'm glad Charles brought it up. Anyway, Packers, Falcons this weekend. Two teams whose seasons are basically over. They're playing for pride. Um, both teams banged up. And so I think this is going to be... Uh, I think the Packers offense is going to play better. I really do. I think this is going to be a higher scoring game for Green Bay. I think they get to 30. Falcons, worst defense in the league. The single worst defense in football. So I think Green Bay finally gets back on track offensively. They get to 30. They win a game, something like 30 to 24, 30 to 27, something like that. Remember to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. Follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you want to leave a voicemail, be a part of one of these shows, you can do that at 920-341-3775 to let me know how you are staying locked on Packers.